Welcome to this episode of In 3 Minutes. I'm Haley Wolf, and in today's podcast, we'll dive into the origins of her ownership via HOA and discuss the challenges that women in the hospitality industry encounter on their journeys to success. Furthermore, we'll have the privilege of hearing from two notable figures who are champions of promoting women in hospitality, Laura Lee Blake, president of AHOA, and Cassie Johnson, chief operating officer at M3. They'll share their valuable insights and experiences on ways to advance women in the industry. So whether you're a woman in the hospitality industry looking for support and inspiration or simply interested in learning more about this important movement, you don't want to miss this podcast. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Okay, good afternoon. Hi, Laura Lee. Thank you so much for joining today. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Before we dive into all of my wonderful questions, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yes, and so I am um, actually an attorney by training and profession. And so I started my career as a lawyer in Southern California, actually at a big international law firm known as Morrison and Forrester and was heavily involved in complex litigation, meaning trial work between companies, um, usually lawsuits involving millions of dollars. And in 2005, for family reasons, I ended up moving to Atlanta and I joined AHOA at that time. And at the time I came in as a vice president of Fair Franchising, Government Affairs and their general counsel. And I thought I would just do it for a year. Um, and interestingly enough, almost 10 years later, I then ended up leaving. I returned to Southern California to return to my old law firm. Um, a group of us had split off and started our own firm. But um, so I returned there. And then early last year, um, I received a call from AHOA that there was an opening for president and CEO. And they were wondering if I was interested in serving in that role. And of course, I could not turn it down. Um, AHOA is such an amazing association. We have nearly 20,000 members who own more than 60% of all hotels across the United States. So to step back into this role, into this new position, has been exhilarating, it has been challenging, it has been great fun, it has just been everything that I could ever hope or wish for. And I have such an amazing team I'm working with as well as, um, as, well as our officers. They are young, they are smart, they are savvy businessmen. Um, a lot of our um, women on the board also just top of their game. So I have been so blessed and honored to now be sitting in this chair um, and serving as president and CEO of AHOA. That is very exciting. And, you know, the hospitality industry, I think, is full of those stories where, where people come in for one reason or another. For me, it was I was working on the front desk in college because I needed a job. Sure. And 
I won't say how many years later, but a few decades later, <laughs> I'm still in the industry, right? Like it pulls you in. There's something warm and inviting about hospitality in general. It's it, it, it's just fantastic that you have, have found this position and are still involved. I know we need some excellent female leadership in the industry. So I'm very, very excited um, that, that you accepted that challenge. And, and adding on to that a little bit more, right? You mentioned the 60%. I think that is a stat that, that everyone is very, very familiar with. They may not know it's actually 1.7% of GDP, which Correct. is phenomenal. Yes. So from your perspective and where and where you are now in this, this position, how do you see AHOA expanding in the industry? And you know, what's that future vision look like? Yes, and that is an excellent question. Um, and it actually, I'll, I'll use one small example, but um, it's interesting that over these many years that I've been with AHOA in different roles, you know, that has always been a question as to whether we are truly only really focused on Asian American hotel owners. I mean, that is the name of, of the association, of course. You know, AHOA stands for Asian American Hotel Owners Association. But yet, you know, we've discussed, we've debated, you know, to what extent we can even attract non-Asians because, of course, the industry is full right now you know the diversity in the industry is just incredible and i am seeing a true opportunity through our women's initiative and what i mean by that is last year i came on board on may 16 so i have not even been here an entire year yet um, and there's been so much that ha has happened it's been truly a blur in many ways but all all good um, but last year we did one of my key goals was to launch especially the women's initiative and what i was so pleased to discover is it's always beautiful when you are in a position like this you have an initiative you announce it and then you find out that there's already a huge team working on it behind the scenes and they have been doing this so when i stepped in i found that then our women directors Lena Patel and Tejal Patel had already been talking about this. They had reached out to the AHOA chairman. They wanted to do this. And he, you know, asked some obvious questions. How much is it going to cost? How many people do you anticipate will attend? And initially they were they were thinking it would be rather small for the first one. And so they anticipated 50, maybe 50 members would be there because rather than the, and I'll use the word normal, but rather than kind of the normal women's conference, which is often about women's stories, empowerment, um, you know, helping to advance kind of these efforts, we decided to really focus on women who either owned hotels or want to own hotels, maybe even those that are expanding their portfolios. And so it was scheduled in Cincinnati, Ohio in October, um, which is not, you know, necessarily a hot spot for, you know, a place to attend in October. 
we had a riverboat cruise scheduled of all things. Now, thankfully, um, it was a lovely, lovely evening, although it was rather chilly on the open areas of the riverboat. Um, but in the end, and where I'm going with this, in the end, we had close to 300 women attend this conference from all over the country. Um, we even had someone come in from India, um, one or two come in from Canada. And it was not just Asian women. It was every imaginable race and, and you know ethnicity because so many women are looking at what can I do as an entrepreneur, as a possible business owner? Um, is this an industry I could get involved with? You know, and maybe my first step would be a boutique hotel. So there were a lot of those discussions, but we were quite excited that this might be one area of AHOA where we can really expand our membership, expand our resources, expand our outreach, um, because there really are so many women who are interested in, you know, taking this to the next level and to be able to provide that um, would be just lovely. So we are looking forward to seeing what this year will bring. Um, we're hoping much bigger and much better. That was absolutely going to be my next question. I, I read that it's going to be hosted in the fall of 2023 and I'm wondering what people could look forward to um, from a, a content perspective or, or do you know the size this this conference is going to bring? Well, and I'll tell you, we're in the very early stages of planning it. Um, okay. But we again, we will be looking at you know, identifying the key speakers who can really help women make some of these decisions, um, especially for those who would be looking at being first time hotel owners, that they could come and learn what this looks like. Um, and even we have heard this so many times at AHOA, one of the reasons our conferences and things tend to be so successful is because our members are, it's such a tight knit community that our members do come together to share tips with each other. Right. Um, they will identify maybe a problem they've had and they'll hear advice on this is what I did. And we're hoping that we turn this women's conference into that as well, that it's really an opportunity, you know, to figure out you know, where do I find the right location? Who do I need to talk to? How do I get financing? I mean, that's a huge issue. Should I be looking at a franchised hotel? Should I be looking at an independent or a boutique? How many partners do I need? Do I need a male partner to help me have these discussions with the banks or the lending, you know, institutions? And so these are a lot of the questions for you kind know, of first time um, first time potential owners might have, and the, it would really be to help them address it. Um, last year, for example, I also did just me personally did a little session on the art of negotiation for women, because as women, we do tend to negotiate with kind of a different focus sometimes. Um, and so even that type of opportunity to learn you know, things that might even apply in other areas of your life, even if you're not just looking at, you know, becoming a hotelier, you know, those opportunities are available. And then I'll make one other quick comment that last year we also included some strong 
wellness components and sessions. And I imagine we will definitely bring, be bringing that back. That was um, a big hit with a lot of our attendees because we all have such busy lives. We are highly capable. We take care of everybody and everything else, but sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. So that will also be um, a, a clear area of focus for the upcoming year. That's fantastic. So everything from feasibility studies to recharging yes. while you're there, it sounds like you can you can get something for for every everyone there in a in a nice two day conference slash retreat. That sounds yes. very enticing. Yes. Um, I look forward to hearing more about that. And and I saw a clip of you um, during that negotiation speech. You said you cannot negotiate well if you've not done great discovery along the way. And and that really resonated with me. And, you know, I'd, I'd like you to expand on it just a little bit and what you mean by discovery. Where, where do people start? Right. Well, and with negotiation, it's always so important to first almost step into the shoes of the other person to figure out what are their true motives? What are their concerns? What are their goals? What are their you know, they're, they're hot buttons um, so that you have a much better sense of why you're there and what needs to be done in order to properly um, reach a resolution. And so as part of that, you know, kind of some of the discovery is just asking a lot of questions, you know, and finding out maybe, you, you know, exactly why are we at this impasse or why are you objecting to whatever this issue is, right. you know, and because, and I think it's almost building the empathy and the trust because most people will always hold back, you know, a lot of their reasons, kind of a lot of their thought processes. And it's only until they start trusting that you are truly listening to them and that you care about what they have to say that then maybe they start opening up. And it's one of these things too that um, one of the tips that I had learned years ago is as the day progresses, it's very hard for people to say yes. It's much more comfortable for them to say no, just because they're tired. They've had to make a lot of decisions throughout the day. Um, and so if you can even reframe some of your questions so that the person can say no, that helps tremendously. It, it, it almost opens up the door. And just one example would be, um, you know, is it okay if I talk to you right now? Somebody might say, no, I don't want to talk right now. As opposed to if you said, would it be difficult for you to talk to me right now? Or would you, and they might then say, no, it, it wouldn't be difficult. I can do it right now. So it's sometimes rephrasing your questions in a way that makes it easier for them to be open to at least discussing things. I love that. So do you think women have an advantage when it comes to empathy and trust building? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to even offer this session because I think sometimes as women, we fall into the thinking that 
maybe we have to act like men in order to get things done. And so maybe we have to go in there, we have to be strong, we cannot compromise on anything. We have to show them who's the boss. And so we take a very firm position, but then we don't accomplish it. And so I think maybe it's more of our, you know, and I, I don't want to generalize, but you know, generally I think there's kind of this, this, at least for me, and maybe I'll speak just personally, that it's much easier for me to try to connect with somebody, to ask questions, to have that empathy, to truly want to understand and care about what they're thinking. So that's a much more comfortable position for me to negotiate as a woman than if I have to go in there and, and act like a bulldog or act like, you know, that I'm this hard-nosed person who's not willing to listen to any discussion. So, um, and I think everybody has to find what they're most comfortable with, find their own strengths and weaknesses, and then use those to their advantage. But it's kind of opening the doors that as a woman, you can definitely be highly effective in your negotiation skills. So use those tools to, you know, to make sure that you're, you're able to, um, to achieve your goals. Right. Right. So follow the framework, but be authentic. Yes. Doing it. And you Absolutely. would most likely find a more successful path. And that that resonates with me as well, because I imagine the people that you're negotiating with can can tell if you're being authentic or not. Right. right. Like you can sense that from a person and that would immediately put up a wall for me if I thought someone was not genuine. Correct. So exactly. if you can be authentic in the conversation and build that rapport, your your negotiation could be more successful. Yes. And the other thing, too, is sometimes even because I have found that sometimes I and the, my effort have tried very hard to be empathetic, to understand their position and to really care about where they're coming from. But maybe the person on the other side they, for whatever reason, are not at that point. Um, and so sometimes another trick that I have found is some is when they are demanding that I do ABC, and I know that's not going to work. And sometimes an easy question is, you're asking me to do this. How can I, how can I possibly do that with what I've told you? And it kind of puts it back into them that they have to sit back and think, well, okay, I understand she's told me that the board has said no to this or her boss has said she cannot do X, Y, Z. So it kind of puts them back that they then are forced to step into my shoes right. as to how do, how can she accomplish this? And, and you will sometimes hear amazing things. They might come up with, with suggestions that I had not thought of, and then we can work through that and, and wonder why they came up with that suggestion. Would that work for you? And so even that back and forth um, helps tremendously. That's fantastic. So the Castell Project has put out a study that in hospitality leadership, women only represent 30% yes. in the higher positions, and most often it's human resources. That is something I personally notice when we even have a new customer or a new vendor in the industry, I go to their company website, I look at their leadership team and I, I notice 
right? If I did my own personal study, I think that number is even smaller than 30% based on what I see sure. in the industry. So what can other companies do or other organi organizations do to improve that diversity within their leadership teams? Yes, and those are excellent questions. And I think that it's one of these things that we are thankfully starting to see changes um, and they are slow. I mean, admittedly, they are slow and maybe, and I don't know if it's a matter of time, you know, I think in some ways it is because for example, um, using the legal industry as, as you know, as, as kind of a, as something that I can maybe make an analogy to, you know, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years ago, there were very few women in the legal industry. And now I heard a recent statistic that I believe there's more than more women in law schools than there are men. And so, you know, over time, things start changing. And maybe it's the same thing in, in the hotel industry as women continue to pursue it. Um, maybe it was not seen as a field that they wanted to get into. Maybe the initial thought was, I don't want to work at a hotel because they're thinking I'd have to either be front desk or, or, you know, housekeeper, you know, room service, something like that. And I don't want to work in those positions, not realizing, you know, the full breadth of all the opportunities in the industry. I think as we as women continue to talk to, like, for example, I'm talking to my daughter saying, this is an amazing industry, you know, start pursuing opportunities here, at least look at it. And I think as women, as we start taking these positions um, and we start encouraging other women to consider it, we can talk to, you know, the men that are in the industry as well. They are starting to see the true benefits of having women in some of these leadership roles and hearing these different perspectives and even like I just gave the example with AHOA, you know, maybe now finally through the women's initiative, the Her Ownership Conference, maybe we can start accomplishing some of these goals of expanding the membership beyond the Asian, you know, American community. And suddenly there's benefits. So they see it and so that develops and grows. So I think, unfortunately, it might be a matter of time, but it's really as women, we have to continue to pursue it, speak out in favor of it, support it, and then celebrate every success along the way. So That is fantastic. Speaking of celebrations, uh, M3 loves the, uh, the AHOACON. That conference is fantastic uh, and I know it I know it just concluded in LA um, unfortunately I wasn't at this particular event I went last year to, to Baltimore so what can we expect from the conference in 2024 yes well our goal and it's probably no surprise is that everyone has to be bigger and better than the last <laughs> so so um now, in, thankfully, in Los Angeles, you know, again, being my, my first AHOACON in this role, I was so incredibly thankful and blessed. I mean, we have an amazing team here, and they pulled it off. I mean, we set historic record levels of trade show floor sales. I mean, we had never, 
had such a large trade show in the history of AHOA, and then we sold it out. I mean, and I remember it was even a few days before the start, and we still, I think we had four or five booths left. And so I talked to the sales team and said, you know what, should we just repurpose those? Should we turn them into additional maybe lounge centers or something? And here by the first day of Mahoacan, all five of them had been sold and we were completely sold out. Um, so that was definitely a cause for celebration. Um, now I have talked to our officer who is the current vice chair and he serves then, he will serve as the chair of the Orlando convention, Mirage Patel. And I was just speaking with him yesterday and of course, he has set a mark. I mean, he wants 10,000 attendees. He wants it to be the biggest ever. So we, um, every year, we will plan to take it to the next level. And we're already talking about things like keynote speakers, where the welcome reception will be, you know, all of these different activities, um, planning education sessions. And now one other quick comment I'll make is we have never done this before. And again, it's really my hats off to our Vice President of Business Development, Dennis Smith. He came in um, only a few months ago, really um, expanded and built up the business development team, ended up selling out the entire you know trade show. But where I'm going with this is here I was told that for the first time ever, they set it up that AHOA members could come or vend, I should say AHOA vendors could come and meet with his team in Los Angeles to reserve space for Orlando next year. And they've already sold $2.4 million worth of booth space for next year. We have never been close to those numbers before. So we anticipate that Yes, this will be an amazing AHOACON in Orlando, which again is very fun. It's Florida, great location, you know, great opportunity to come in the spring and just celebrate everything AHOA and having a, you know, have amazing memories as a result. I, I have one suggestion to get to your 10,000 attendee cow, just attached okay. Disney to anything you're doing <laughs> then I think a lot of people would be uh, happily in Orlando for the well that's fantastic well, I hope M3 is one of those uh, vendors that that got our booth space I, I know we we love coming to the conference we love supporting it I've loved having you today as a guest is there any final thoughts or words you would like to leave us with today we, of course, would love to see M3 at AHOACON in Orlando, but thank you for this opportunity to speak today. Um, and I love your focus on what it looks like for the women's initiative and how we can take that to the next level. So I think by you focusing on that and raising attention on it, that is going to go a very long ways towards making sure that our voice is heard and that we continue to achieve new goals and new levels. Um, so thank you for caring about that. And thank you for inviting me to be a guest. I, I was so honored and I enjoyed our conversation. So thank you. Thank you, Laura Lee. It's been a pleasure.
That's a wrap on today's podcast on empowering women in hospitality. We hope you found this discussion informative and inspiring. Remember, Her Ownership is a movement that welcomes everyone who believes in the importance of uplifting women in business. If you want to get involved, visit AHOA's website to learn more about the resources and programs available to support women in the hospitality industry. Thank you to our guests, Laura Lee Blake and Cassie Johnson, for sharing their invaluable insights and to our listeners for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more thought-provoking discussions on the latest trends and issues in the hospitality industry. Until next time, keep pushing for progress and championing women in hospitality.